0: Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me as we move ahead in our study of Hebrews. We're moving on to verse 2 of chapter 1 today, but let's read the first two verses of the book together again. First, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Now last time we went over verse 1, and we talked about how God spoke to the ancient Hebrews through the prophets at many times and in various ways. The prophets refers to the Old Testament prophets, of course, including the 16 writing prophets, as well as those prophets who did not write specific books in the Old Testament that have been categorized as books of prophecy. Writing prophets would include those such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Their books would come under the second section of. The Tanakh that's the Old Testament folks, and the Jewish people refer to those as the Tanakh with emphasis on the letters T n and k ta and I'll explain that in a moment, so the writing prophets their books would come under the second section of the Tanakh or Tanakh, as it's pronounced. And as should be apparent to you at this point, Tanakh is an acronym. The T stands for Torah, which is the first section, and it comprises the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. The N stands for Nevi'im, and it contains the books of prophecy which include the 16 writing prophets, as well as what Jewish tradition calls the former prophets. And those are the books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. First and second Kings are combined in Jewish tradition. The 16 writing prophets are divided into major and minor prophets, but I need to mention at this point, that what I am referring to as the 16 writing prophets would be in the Jewish tradition only 15 in number. The difference is Daniel. Hebrew tradition does not include Daniel in the Nevi'im. Daniel is included in the last or third section of the Tanakh, which is the Ketuvim, or the writings, which in addition to Daniel Include the Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah as one book, and First and Second Chronicles as one book. Chronicles. But the last prophet of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is John the Baptist. Jewish tradition doesn't recognize John the Baptist as a prophet, of course because he is not written about in the Tanakh. He came after the Tanakh closed. However, he came before the new covenant was inaugurated by Yeshua, Jesus. The new covenant clearly reveals him to be a prophet, because Jesus said that John was a prophet. Because he is the last prophet before the cross, we can consider him to be the last prophet of the old covenant dispensation even though he is not in the hebrew scriptures by name yes jesus talked about john he called him more than a prophet and said that the old covenant predicted john's coming that old covenant passage is malachi chapter 3 verse 1 which says I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Now Jesus referenced John, including this Malachi passage in Matthew. Let's take a look at that. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verses 9 through 11. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now we can say from Hebrews 1, 2, the verse that we're looking at today, from that verse alone, we can say that Yeshua's ministry marked the beginning of the last days. Let's read that verse again, Hebrews 1, 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. God spoke many things to the people of first century Israel through his son, Jesus, and much of what he said has been preserved for us to read today. We will cover some of those things in our study of this book, but let's talk now for a minute or so about Jesus. Yeshua as God's Son. Yeshua is God's Son in a very different way than we are sons and daughters. We are told that we are sons and daughters in the Gospel of John. Let me read to you John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. All scriptures, by the way, are in the New International Version, unless otherwise stated. John one twelve to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This verse talks about what happens to us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are born again and are transferred from being in Adam, to being in Messiah, or Christ. Romans chapter 6 in the New Testament explains this well. The old man, which is the man or woman who we were in Adam, dies, is crucified with Messiah, when we accept Yeshua as our Lord and Savior, and we then become united with Christ, Christ, joined with him, in him. That's what John 1, 12 to 13 is talking about. And as incredible as that is, we becoming sons and daughters of God in Christ, in Yeshua. We are not sons in the sense that Jesus is the son of God, because Jesus is not a created being. And because he is the one and only son of God, as the scripture says, and has always existed. And for those reasons, he has to be of the same substance and nature as God the Father. He has to be divine. He has to be deity. That's why, at least in part, I suspect that we are told he is God's son, because he is of the same substance as God just as a human son is of the same substance as his father. We'll get into this more as we move ahead in Hebrews, but for now we must recognize that Jesus is the only unique son of God, and he is a son with a capital S, the son, in a different way than we are. I also just want to remind you that God said, said, that he has a son in the Old Testament, in Psalm 2 and in Proverbs 30. And we talked about that last time. But getting back yet again to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Before we try to grasp the profound meaning of this verse, I think we can get some help by looking again at John's gospel. Let's look again at John chapter one, verses one to three. Let me read that. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, please take a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And also, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. A lot of similarity here between these New Testament verses and Genesis one one. So who is this Son? We've already said that he is a Son like no other Son, and that he is divine. He has the attributes of deity. But can we get a better understanding of that? I think we can. In John 1, which we just looked at, he is called the Word, which in Greek is logos. And we are told that in the beginning, he was with God and was God, and that without him, nothing was made that was made. So how is he, the logos, or the word, and also God. I've come to understand that the idea behind the Greek word word logos is better understood in this context by the Aramaic word memra, which also means word, and which was used in the Jewish targums, or paraphrases of the Hebrew scriptures, recognized by many rabbis, to describe a visible appearance of God, somewhat similar to, yet different from, the Shekinah glory of God, like the pillar of fire that stayed with the Israelites in the desert following the Exodus. That was the Shekinah glory. Sometimes this Memra or word, would appear as the angel of the Lord, i.e. the angel of Yahweh, such as we see it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Let's read that. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And let's read Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush Moses, Moses, And Moses said, here I am. Can you see from these two verses that there is an equivalence between the angel of Yahweh and the Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, meaning Yahweh himself. The Apostle John was a Jewish man, of course, and would have been familiar with the memra, which means word. Logos was the closest Greek equivalent to Memra, and so John used Logos as he was inspired to do so by the Holy Spirit when he wrote his gospel. This gives us an understanding of how Yeshua is the Logos and God. He came as God in the flesh, God incarnate, And he was and is the same divine being that he was in the Old Testament, where he temporarily came as the angel of Yahweh. He is also referred to as the Word of God, Word with a capital W, as in the Gospel of John. These appearances in the Old Testament were of the pre-incarnate Christ or Messiah. Let me give you an example of this, an actual example from one of the Targums, T-A-R-G-U-M-S, from one of the Targums or Aramaic paraphrases of the scriptures used by the Jewish people. Let me give you an an example from Targum Ankylos, the Targum Ankylos to Genesis. Then they heard the voice of the memra of the Lord God walking in the garden towards the the decline of the day, pardon me. Then they heard the voice of the memra of the Lord God walking in the garden towards the decline of the day. So Adam and his wife hid themselves from before the Lord God within a tree of the garden. Whereupon the Lord God called out to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the voice of your memra in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So the Son of God, the Logos, or memra, or Word, is like no other son. Understanding this will help us greatly in the study of the letter to the Hebrews. And as the divine son of the father, it becomes understandable that Yahweh, the father, would appoint his one and only son as the heir of all things. Likewise, it makes sense that Yahweh would appoint his son to make the universe, that the universe would be made through him. Remember Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yeshua, the Logos or Memra created the universe, but Genesis 1.1 tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, and surely that is something that only God could do. So it certainly seems that the Logos or the Memra has to have the very nature of God. He is the one and only Son of God. I haven't mentioned the Holy Spirit, who is the third member of this divine triune Godhead. We'll talk about him another time. But folks, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We are in deep waters here. But what wonderful deep waters they are. They are not deep waters of trouble. They are deep waters of blessing. The Shema, the watchword of Israel, of the Jewish people, tells us this, that God is one, but he is a complex or plural one. He is one God with a plural nature. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh. We cannot fully understand this, but God allows us to understand it enough to know that it is absolutely true and that that is a wonderful gift to us. But getting back to our verse for today, Hebrews 1, 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So what did the Son, the Son of God, speak to us? And in us, I'm including you, and me? What did he speak to us in these last days? There is so much that he said that we can only include a tiny portion of it here today, but I would like to do that. So let me give you just a few things that he said. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What an incredible truth that Yeshua our Lord shared with Nicodemus, a high-ranking Jewish teacher and member of the Sanhedrin, who came to be a follower of Jesus. Let's look at John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life folks that is perhaps the most well-known verse in the bible both the essence and the assurance of salvation is encapsulated in that one verse let's look at matthew chapter 22 verses 36 to 40 teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Folks, this is the essence of the new covenant. John 3, six. excuse me, Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. This is the essence of the new covenant. This is the law. These two laws that we are to follow now, they represent all of the law and the prophets. And this is a law that we can keep with the help of the Holy Spirit who indwells all believers. Let's look at John 19, verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus finished the work of salvation at a cost that we cannot fathom. He has done it all. So in these last days, God spoke to us through his Son, and the messages that he gave us were the fulfillment of what the prophets said. His words were clearer and more explicit than the words... Of the Old Testament prophets, and his words were given with the authority of deity. My dear friends, we are all born as sinners, and we need to be born a second time. We need to be born again. If that has not happened to you, if you do not have a personal relationship with God through his one and only Son, Yeshua the Messiah, please bow your knees and bow your hearts. Call upon him. Tell him that you know that you are a hopeless sinner, just as I was, folks, and that you need salvation, which only he can give. Ask him to save you, and if you are sincere, he will never turn you down. Do it today, because you could die tonight, and it will then be too late. Thank you, my friends. Until the next time, this is Art Walensky. God bless you.